week. Um, but I, I want to talk to you today, continue our, our talk about the tabernacle. And if, if you're new, uh, some, some of you I know sometimes you can um, uh, read the Old Testament and think, how do, okay, how does the Old Testament, um, where, how does it, uh, how do I understand it? How do I grasp it? How, how do I understand why God worked this way in the Old Testament? But then I get to the New Testament, and it kind of looks like this. And, and so as we've studied the tabernacle, what I've tried to do is, where's Jesus in the tabernacle? Where's Jesus? As, as we talk about the different pieces, and in fact, if you can look at the, this, this map of, a, of the, or this picture of the tabernacle, <clears throat> reminder that God said, I, I want to dwell among you. The Israelites were wandering through the desert. He's like, I want to dwell with you. I want to be with you. And so he said, so build me one of those tents. I want one of those tents. And so they built him this tent. They built him this tabernacle, which eventually would turn into the permanent temple. So I, I don't know if you're, you're like a history person. It helps me to plot things on a timeline. This, this was built somewhere around 1450 B.C., so before Christ. So go another 1,450 years or 1,500 years or so. Jesus is alive then. He's, he's, he's dying on the cross. He's rising from the dead. But So 1450, 1440 B.C. is when this is built. And so in this season, we know that they were in a traveling mode. So this tabernacle was made so it could be picked up and moved, picked up and moved. Eventually, there'd be the temple. And if you ever read in the New Testament how Jesus was at the temple teaching or they were at the temple, this, this, is, this is the precursor of the temple. This was the one that was movable. The temple they built in Jerusalem, that one stayed. And I say that just as, as a point of introduction because we've talked about the gate here and how the psalmist wrote, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts. This here would be the outer court, the outside of the tent, the outer court. We talked about the altar. That's where these animals would be sacrificed, the, 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 the blood sacrifice. I talked about that several weeks ago. And then, and then there's the laver, the, the bronze laver. And, 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 and this would be the place where the priests would come and they'd wash themselves. And, and uh, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. But now we're, we're in the, the, the holy place. Now we're in the tent. In fact, if you were standing out here in the courtyard, just imagine, just, can you go there for a second? Just, what would you be smelling? What, what would you be hearing? I mean, just, just think about out here when, when it looks as if right here at the gate is where they would, I know this is gory, but they'd slit the, 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 the throats of those animals that were going to be sacrificed, and, and then they'd carry them in, and they'd, on the altar, if it was a burnt offering, a burnt sacrifice, it was like every bit of that animal was going to be burnt to a crisp. It was going to be gone when all was said and done. And so you're smelling that burning flesh, the, the, the meat, the, the bo- all that stuff. Um, it, was a, it was a bloody place because w- without, without the, the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. We know that. And, and just take it in. And now, now go op- open up these, these curtains and, and slide into the, the tent. And as we get into the tent, Let's take a look. Can you go to that next picture that I have there for you? Yeah, that one right there. Thank you. Now, we were lucky enough that they had a camera in the tent to capture this. Now, this is an artist rendition, of course, but, but as, as you'd walk in to the um, north, south, east, yeah, to the north side to your right would be where the table of Schubert or Showbread was. 
And this is where the, the bread would be stacked up and there's bowls and there's um, other pitcher type things there that would be used as part of the sacrifices. On the other side, we talked about this last. Who's the bread of life though? Can you remember that one? I'm walking in circles here. The bread of life, of course, is Jesus Christ. We know that. And then who's the light of the world? Who is light? God. And it, we talked about the, the candlestick and what that represents last week. And now we want to go. We've only got two more pieces. We've got Easter Sunday. We're going to talk about the most holy place, the, the, uh, well, what's on the other side of that veil there. But today, just before we cross that veil, we want to go to that altar of incense right here in the middle. We want to go to the altar of incense. What is the altar of incense? Are you to Exodus, Exodus chapter 30? I guess I better get there myself. Exodus chapter 30 in verse 1. It says, make an altar of acacia wood for burning incense. It is to be square, a cubit long and a cubit wide and two cubits high. It's horns of one piece with it. Overlay the top and all the sides and the horns with pure gold and make a gold molding around it. Make two gold rings for the altar below the molding, two on opposite sides to hold the poles used to carry it. Make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Put the altar in front of the curtain that is before the ark of the testimony, before the atonement cover that is over the testimony where I will meet with you. Aaron must burn fragrant incense on the altar every morning when he tends the lamps. He must burn incense again when he lights the lamps at twilight. So incense will burn regularly before the Lord for the generations to come. Do not offer on this altar any other incense or any burnt offering or grain offering. Do not pour a drink offering on it. Those are all meant for the other altar. Once a year, Aaron shall make atonement on its horns. The annual atonement must be made with the blood of the atoning sin offering for the generations to come. It is most holy to the Lord. So it's actually on the west side. The west side of the tent, if you want to go back to the, to the, the second picture there, that'd be great. It says it was one cubit in length and width and two cubits tall. Well, e even before I get to that, do you remember what, when we talked about the table of shoebread, um, how it was, it was layered in gold, but it was made of acacia wood. It was, it was made of that which was natural and that which was, was thought to be royalty. And, and as you mix that together, you can see very easily Jesus was uh, fully natural. He was all man, but he was also royalty. He was the king of kings. He was the Lord of lords. He was fully God. Jesus was fully God and fully man. And even in the way they made these things, I think we can see that pointing to that. And so as you, as you get to the altar of incense, it was made in the same wood uh, uh, of, of that table as acacia wood. And then it was overlaid with gold. And I don't know how many of you know your cubit to foot um, ratio here. <laughs> Some of you are Googling right now. Cubit to foot. I'm sure you were. Let me just save you the time. Um, in fact, if you have a Bible somewhere in there, it's probably a note. But it's about one and a half feet long, one and a half feet wide, and it's about three foot tall. Apparently, this was a smaller version of, uh, in gold of what the bronze altar was in the court, complete with the horns on each corner. Like the other items, it was fitted with the rings and supplied with poles. Because remember, these rings were there so you could put those poles through so you could just lift it up and you could carry it easily. Because why? They're wandering in the desert for 40 years. At any moment, God uh, could move them on and say, hey, it's time to go, go on. Just like the golden lampstand, the priest was to service the altar of incense every day. And this practice was to be perpetual. 
And there's to be no other incense offered here, and, and no other offering was to be placed on the altar except the atonement blood on the Day of Atonement. The solemn pronouncement at the very end here, though, in verse uh, 10, the, 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 the last piece, it says, it, must, it is most holy to the Lord. I think if there's anything, as I'm studying the, the tabernacle, as you study the, the temple, as you really dive into this, I mean, there ought to be a holy fear of God. He was trying to teach his people, have a holy fear of God, not a, I'm scared to approach him, because we know as the New Testament believers now, we can boldly approach his throne. Why? Because we're good? No, because Jesus is good. Because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, when he died and he rose again, I can boldly approach this. I don't have to kind of, well, God, I'm just, I just got something on, I'm just thinking about, you know. No, get to it. Boldly approach this throne. We don't, we don't have to mamby-pamby up to Jesus anymore. But there ought to be a holy fear and a reverence for God. As, as you study the tabernacle, you see, if you don't revere and, 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 uh, and, and love and have this holy fear of God, it could cost you your life really quick, right? I mean, you just read some of the Old Testament as they're, as they're talking about the tabernacle. We'll talk about one of those in just a second. But I, I, I want to emphasize something to you. I say all this to say, say something here. The Lord's primary desire for his people is that you're holy. Well, I just want to be happy. And I know God would want me to be happy. So if God wants me happy, then I think God would want me to do this, whatever this is. Well, here's the deal. God's more interested in you not so much as being happy but being holy, holy, holy. Jesus Christ makes you holy. Yes, he makes you righteous. But then there's also this growing into holiness. It's working out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's what we talked about at the end of last week's services. He wants us to be holy. And this idea, simply going through the rituals required by the law, um, it wasn't enough for the Israelites to be right with God. He wanted there to be a holiness on the inside. He, he didn't just want these priests to come in, oh, i got to get this bread stacked up in two piles, six and six. Oh, i got to get this incense going. Oh, man, i got to get the oil in this lampstand. i got to do these sacrifices. Oh, can't do it yet. Got to go wash my hands in the labor. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, time to make the donuts. I mean, do some of you remember that commercial? I'm dating myself, but... Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just like, I'm just going through the motion. No, God wants, wants he said, I want your heart to be there too. I want, to, I want there to be a holy reverence as you do what you're doing here. And that's why you read it like in Isaiah. Look at this, Isaiah chapter one, verse 13. He says, stop bringing me meaningless offerings. Your incense in the temple, it's detestable to me. I mean, I know you're doing it. I understand that you're doing it the right way, but you're just going through the motions. Your new moons, your Sabbaths, your convocations, I cannot bear your assemblies. Have you ever found that your time and your, your, your service to the Lord, your relationship with the Lord is, man, I think I'm just on I'm just going through the motions. I need to re-engage my heart. You know, I was thinking about it the other day. Over 25 years of ministry for Megan and I in full-time ministry. And you think about if, if I'm preaching 40 to 45 weeks a year times 25, that's a lot of time. Do you think there's ever been a time where I've got up here to preach 
and I just was going through the motions. I mean, I, I know that the temptation is. There's, there's times when it's like, oh, I could do that. It's another Easter. Oh, it's another Christmas. Let's see. What are we going to talk about? How about baby Jesus? Um, you know, there, there are times when, when you can even, even in, 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 if you think about being a husband, Okay, I'm not asking, are you working your tail off to provide for your family, which you should be. I'm not asking, are, as, as a husband, as a man of God, are, 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 are you there? Are you present in the room? I'm asking, is your heart engaged? Mom, so I, I know that the, the weight you carry, many of you, you carry a lot of that weight, even of, of stuff happening at the house. And many of you also have a career or a job even outside. But wherever you find yourself, ladies, men, there's times when we can do things that are our thing to do. We're to do it, and we go through the motion. But is my heart really in it? Am I allowing God to use me in those areas? Am I, and as we approach especially the things of God, and, the, and we, we, we see his holiness, and we see the tabernacle, more important than burning the proper incense at the proper time with the proper fire, with the proper implements, was having a proper heart before God. How you doing with that? Sometimes you can do the right thing the wrong way. Let me share a story with you real quick from Leviticus. It's, it's the tabernacle. Look at this. Leviticus chapter 10, Aaron's sons, Nadab, I can't believe it. None of you, I, didn't, I only had girls, but if I would have had a boy, Nadab would have been at the top of names. I'm just telling you. Nadab and Abihu, they took their censers. What's a censer? Well, um, the, the idea here is it, it's like a fire pan. And so they, they, were, they were supposed to go to the, uh, the, um, uh, the brazen altar outside, and they'd get some coals off of that into their little censer pan, and they'd bring it in to where the altar of incense was, and then they would put their, uh, uh, their sprinkle their incense. I, I had this all planned out. I'm just going to be honest with you. I, brought, I bought these little black charcoal briquettes, and, and I thought, man, if I could come in here and I could have Josh or one of the guys just light those up as I'm talking, about, oh, it would have been great. And then I even bought this little, I thought it looked like this big on Amazon, and it was Jewish. I, it may have been made in China, but it was Jewish. And it had all these, these uh, this like, it was like Jewish temple stuff, whatever. And it wasn't the exact thing because they would have gotten in trouble biblically on that. But, but, and then you're supposed to sprinkle that. And I did it just real quick on the deck of our back. It, it didn't turn out so well. So <clears throat> just imagine with me, though, that Nadab and Abihu, they took their censers. They, they were priests, right? They knew what to do. They took their censers, and, and, it was, and they put the fire in them, and they added incense, okay, and they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. Auth, unauthorized. I think it's the King James Version I love on this one. It was strange. <laughs> was it just unauthorized? It was, it was weird. It was strange. What made it strange? Maybe it was the timing of it. Maybe they were timing off. Maybe, maybe they took the coals of the altar uh, excuse me, the coals weren't from the, the brazen altar. Maybe they were from somewhere else. But they, they messed up. So, so what happened? So verse 2, so fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. 
if you read on in this, you'd see that, that their cousin, actually they called their cousins, hey, come get your dead cousins, because they died here in the presence of the Lord. Moses said, said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke of when he said, among those who approach me, I will show myself, what? What's the word? I will show myself, man, Jesus is my best friend. Wow, James says that I am a friend of God. I, I understand that. He says, I'm going to show them I am holy in the sight of all the people. I will be honored. I mean business here, God's saying. As you deal with the things of God, I mean business. If I give you a command, you've got to follow. I've just been a little fired up the past week or two just thinking about even in my own life. Am I living holy before the Lord? And, and it's not enough just to, man, I don't want to go to hell. I, I want the mercy of God. But don't forget there's a justness of God. There's a holy God. Let's sing the songs about the mercy and the love of God. But let's sing the songs about the holiness and the righteousness. And just the, how I stand in awe. You are awesome, God, because you're so much bigger than me. Oh, we got to keep going. So what's the purpose of the tabernacle? Excuse me. What's the purpose of the altar of incense in the tabernacle? Can you go back to that, uh, the second picture? As, as this thing's up there, the golden lampstand's purpose, eh, you can kind of see that. It lights the place up. We talked about the bread and, and the importance of that, but the altar of incense purpose was to fill that tent with beautiful aroma. I mean, that, that really, you just, if you just stop there, I mean, just the, just, I mean, you're outside the burning flesh, the, the altar of, uh, uh, the brazen altar where the sacrifices are happening, the smoke, the smell, the sounds of the animals bleeding. Uh, I mean, like bleed, not so much the, the bleeding, but, but yeah, I mean, they're just the sounds as they're like, I don't want it. And they're kicking, screaming, whatever. And, and, and you, you got all that. But once you get into the tent, you walk in there and you smell this aroma. You know what the Bible says? In fact, um, I'm getting ahead of myself here. I better, I better stick to my notes. But um, let, let, let's just go there. The, 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 Bible, the Bible actually, any, anytime you wonder something about what the Bible says, it's really good to check out, well, what does the Bible say about what the Bible's saying? <laughs> what do you mean? What well, this is, what, what does the, 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 the altar of incense and, and as, as imagine as the, as the incense just is, is rising up in that room. It's filling that place. Imagine with me as it, as it's filling that place. I, I can only think of like, um, when, when I, when I, when I grill and it's raining, <laughs> well, I, I, my grill is a charcoal grill. It's the way that God would want it. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure Jesus was no gas griller. He would have been a charcoal griller. But, you know, if it's raining outside, what do I do? Well, I kind of bring the grill kind of half in the garage, half in the outside, you know. I don't want to, only want to get half asphyxiated, not wholly. And, and, but what happens inevitably? That gets to cooking and the whole garage starts to fill with smoke, right? I mean, it's just, it's just it fills up that whole place. I mean, the next day, we, the, the family jumps in the minivan. It's like, man... This minivan smells like smoke and wonderful burgers. I just, my compliments to the chef. Thank you very much. I can't grill a lot of things, but I can make a pretty good burger. I'll tell you that right now. 
But that smoke would fill the garage. And it's the same thing with this tin, is, as that smoke and that incense and that oil, it's, it's rising. It feels, oh, just smell that. Take that in. And it's, as you walk into there, what does this represent? Because that's what we're talking about. I don't want to just talk to you about the Old Testament tabernacle and things. What does this point to in the New Testament? Let me hit it real quick. One word, here it is, prayer. It points to prayer. In just a, a minute, I'm going to have you fill in some blanks. So if you want to grab the notes in the back of the seat in front of you, if you haven't yet. But the prayers of the saints, it's, 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 it's first the prayers of the saints. The prayers of the saints. Prayers of believers like you and I. It's pointing to that. David said this in Psalm 141.2. Look at this. May my prayer be set before you like what? Like incense. Get a picture of that. Like when I'm praying... You ever feel like, I was praying, I was actually praying with someone, talking with someone this week. Um, it's like, I know sometimes we feel like our prayers hit the ceiling and bounce back. <laughs> but I just want just to tell you, just, I mean, uh, even, even as that smoke escapes out of my garage, it doesn't just hover around, it doesn't just kind of, no, it goes, whoosh, goes right up. And as our prayers are offered to God, it goes right up. <laughs> There's, there's no wall, there's no, there's no ceiling. Um, I know that there are some things that, that we could talk about that are prayer busters. I mean, there, there are, if I'm sinful, I mean, there's some things that our sin could get in the way of answered prayer, but that's another message. But like incense, may the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. It's like my prayers are going up like incense. Next one, um, John, uh, in, in the, John the Revelator, Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of what? Incense, which are what? The prayers of the saints. Zechariah, the priest, was offering incense. You might not even know, you may have never even noticed this, but you've read Luke chapter 1, maybe as you're preparing for the, for the Christmas season and you're maybe doing your devotions out of the Gospels or out of Luke or whatever it is, and, and just before you get to Jesus, you got to get to John the Baptist. And his dad was a priest. He was ministering. Zechariah was ministering in Luke chapter 1. It says, and when the time for the burning of incense came, that's because he was in the temple. You, you know, let me just hit pause for a second. In talking about the temple, this is more than about this series right now. I believe, my prayer is that God's going to use our discussion of the, uh, the tabernacle, the temple, that he's going to use this discussion to connect some dots as you read throughout Scripture. And I hope you never think of a priest the same again. Because as you study and see how the priest would minister before the Lord in the tabernacle, when you're reading about a priest in the New Testament, then suddenly you understand a little more what's going on. So as you read this about Zechariah, and when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside, you understand, oh, oh, that means that Zechariah was on the inside. As he, as he was offering incense, then he was on the inside of that tent. Remember, he was on the inside, the holy place. And that's what he was doing. And the others were offering prayers. Notice the connection there. Note how incense and smoke automatically fill a room and it rises to the heavens. Can I remind you of something? Some of you, you need to memorize the last part of James chapter 5, verse 16. Here it is. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. 
Some of you have been praying about some things and your faith is getting lower and lower and lower, but you need to stir up that inner spiritual man inside of you. You need to stir up your faith. Ask God, stir my faith to trust you again. Because when we pray, I want to I affirm to you, God hears. How important are my prayers? Does God really have time for me? Well, that, that's the second use of this incense. Because the interesting thing is, that as they offered incense, it would rise up, just like our prayers. But a, a part of our prayers... You can't, you can't disconnect it from this truth. The second thing is prayers of Jesus Christ. There's the prayers of the saints, and there's also the prayers of Jesus Christ. What are you talking about? You mean like the prayers that Jesus talked about in the Gospels? Like sometimes I see him praying and in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed. and you talk, No, listen to me. Follow me here. Maybe better stated would be the intercession of Jesus on our behalf. Do you get this? Do you understand this? Hebrews chapter 7 verse 23 says, Right now, now, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Romans 8, 34, who is he that condemns Christ Jesus who died? More than that, who was raised alive, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. 1 John 2, 1, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ. He's intercessing for us. See, what, what Scripture is saying is the priests that we talked about that go and do the work in the tabernacle, eventually the temple, they're all going to die. But there's one holy priest, the one most holy priest, Jesus Christ. He never dies. And, and the picture we get scripturally is this. Follow me here. I'm praying, and I believe the Holy Spirit. I don't just believe the Bible says the Holy Spirit is involved in my prayer. The Holy Spirit's helping me. He's praying through me. He, and it's almost, in a sense, I... I I'm not saying this, but in a sense, the Holy Spirit is in his, his helping us. I express my prayers to God, and those prayers are rising up, and the first place it stops is Jesus. And then Jesus goes to the Father, and he's interceding on our behalf. See, sometimes we can get this idea that when Jesus went up, went up. What do you mean? Let me just back up just a second. Jesus Christ came, he lived, he died, and then he rose again. And the Bible says for 40 days... There was, there was one time where over 500 people saw him. Either those 500 people were absolute crazies or Jesus really did rise from the dead. And he did. And then, as sure as I stand here before you, can you imagine what this would have been like? You can read about it in the book of Acts. As, as they're standing around, Jesus had a few final words and then it says, he just, he ascended into heaven. And as he's on his way up, what was on his heart? Ooh, it's about time. He gets to heaven. Oh, Father God, I'm telling you, I couldn't have put up with another minute of those folks. They were driving me nuts. Oh, I'm so glad I could just sit back, have a little siesta here in heaven. Just kind of sit back, relax. No, 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 no. Jesus, he, he may not be here in the Holy He sent the Holy Spirit here amongst us. But Jesus is in heaven ever interceding. <laughs> he doesn't stop. Listen, the devil wants you to think that when you pray, God, you don't even hear. 
The devil wants to fool you into thinking who is real. The devil is real. He is literal scripturally. He is literal. Satan is real. And he wants to make you think that when you pray, why are you even praying? Because God doesn't hear. He's not answering, obviously, so therefore he must not be hearing. But I want to tell you something very clearly scripturally, that every time you pray, God hears. Your prayers are reaching heaven. Jesus is receiving those and handing them off to the Father. He's interceding on you. Can I just finish up this message with this thought? The post-resurrection work of Christ. I came up with that myself. The post-resurrection work of Christ. What does that look like? The post-resurrection, like like he's resurrected. I should have said maybe the ascended uh, work of Christ. Once Jesus is is, is risen again, what's this look like? The first thing is this. His present location is in heaven. The present location of Jesus is in heaven. It's clear from scripture. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. The only time we ever see him standing up is when he was welcoming Stephen into heaven in the book of Acts. Stephen was stoned to death and it says, I see Jesus standing. And and that's the only time we see every other time scripturally in the New Testament, we see Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, ever interceding for you. The second thing, fill this in, Jesus never stops interceding on our behalf. Hebrews 7, 23. Now, there have been many of those priests, we read it again, since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Jesus isn't on siesta mode. He's not just sitting back and thumbing his and just playing a little Tetris or whatever it is on your phone. It is. Tetris, that dates me too. Uh, little bubble, uh, he, 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 bubble pop. I mean, he, he, he's not Wordle, Wordle. He's not playing Wordle. He's like, oh, so close to getting on the third try. Oh, Jesus is up there ever interceding for you. How important is this whole prayer thing? I guess, God, I'm just not seeing this whole prayer thing. See this whole prayer thing. Get this whole prayer thing. When you pray, it goes to Jesus, and he never stops interceding on your behalf. Unlike a human priest who can only intercede for a limited time, Jesus can intercede before the Father always, at all times. Third thing, fill this in. Interceding includes provision for sin. First, uh, interceding includes provision for sin. Look at this in 1 John. We studied this a few months ago. 1 John 2, 1. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, my goal is that you don't sin. My goal is that you stay as far away from sin as possible. My goal is that, this is what John is saying to the, to, to the church. My goal is that you live in victory. You don't have to give in to sin. Jesus has made a way for you to live free from sin, but the fact of the matter is you still got that sin nature that creeps up on you. So here's the good news. We have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. How awesome is that? Jesus Christ, the righteous one. This is true the first time we come to Christ. The first time we come to Christ, we receive forgiveness and salvation. It's also true on an ongoing basis as he continually serves as our advocate. Think about that. This is what I kind of envision in my own brain. I'm down here praying. I messed up. I'm praying. Ah, Father, 
Father, yeah, so listen, uh, Scott down there in Middlebury, yeah, that, yeah, that one. Um, I want to tell you, Father, um, he, he, he kind of snapped back at his wife the other day, and he's kind of feeling bad about it, and he, you know, he said some things, shouldn't have said, blah, 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 just a little short-tempered, and, and so his wife was, you know, they were, they were kind of, his wife, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, you're right, Father, it's Megan, yeah, what's, it? oh yeah, we'll talk, she's got some things too, with him. Um, We'll get there, Father. Right now, we're focused on Scott. He's got his issues. And Father, I just want to tell you, um, Scott came. He repented. He, he said he was sorry. He apologized. And uh, he repented of that sin. I mean, he, he treated harshly. And he did. I'm, uh, Father, I'm just telling you, Scott is guilty as charged. But I want to, I want to remind you, <laughs> seems like I'm telling you this <laughs> like a million times a day, but... Um, I went to the cross for Scott, Father. I died for that sin. And so I know what you're going to say, but I just got to do this because this is my job. I, 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 I freely took on his sin, Scott's sin, when I died on the cross and I rose again. And so I shed my life, my blood, all the sin of Scott Miller I took upon me. You know that, Father. And so that's why I intercede on his behalf. I come to you now, Father, and I ask that you would completely, totally, 100% blame me, blame me for Scott's sin. And, I, and I, I, because of my sacrifice, I know he'll be forgiven. The Father says, oh, what sin? Jesus is like, I thought you'd say that. And then what happens? Peace on my soul, peace on my heart. Scott feels like, oh, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Do you get a picture of that? I mean, that's what I kind of see, is that when you're praying, you're interceding, you're praying for something, Jesus captures that and presents it to the Father, presents it to the Father. Let me just remind you, Father, that, that they're seated at the right hand, just like I am. Father, maybe I'm on the wrong side here, I don't know. But, um, but do, do you get what I'm saying here? That's the role that Jesus plays. Fourth and final thing is this, Jesus is our only intercessor in heaven. It's clear that Jesus is the only one who intercedes on our behalf. Is this important to know? Well, the first Timothy chapter two, verse five. For there is one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in his proper time. Listen, we don't need to go through any other man. We can go straight to God ourselves. Worship team, would you come? Romans 8, 26 seems to point to the Holy Spirit interceding for us here on earth, but we need to realize that no man needs to be the intercessor between us and God, because only Jesus can be that. Only Jesus can. Why is Jesus the only one? Well, as think about the most spiritual person in this room. Let's see. Hmm. Um, who would be the most spiritual person in this room? Let's I, I don't know who it would be, but let's just say we brought that person and stood him right here, or her. Maybe, let's face it, maybe it'd be a her. I don't know. Let's, let's just face her, right? Let's put her right here. This is the most spiritual person in the room. Can I tell you something? They still, they, they, don't, even, they don't even hold a candle to Jesus because he was the man who knew no sin. He was tempted in all ways, but he sinned not, Right? And so wh why is Jesus the only one who can intercede between us and the Father? There are many reasons, 
But one is he's a perfect God and a perfect man, yet he was without sin. He was fully understands our human experience and our temptations. He was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, and yet he did not sin. He lived a holy life and then paid the price for our sin through his death on the cross, and he rose again. Only he is worthy, 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 worthy. As we get back to the tabernacle, which is where we started, we get back to the tabernacle. The priests go in and they light that incense. The oily incense stuff, it starts to burn on those charcoals and, and, and it starts to fill that room with just a, oh, just smell that. And it just rises up. It's a perfect picture of the, the praise and the worship and the prayers of the saints rising up to the prayers and the intercession of Jesus so that he can, on our behalf, present those to the Father. I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty cool. How does this connect back to where we've been over the past couple months? Do you remember where we started this year? What did I preach on the first couple weeks of January? We went to Second Chronicles. We're talking about Hezekiah. Okay, as I'm concluding here. I got the worship team here, everything. You know I'm almost done. That's what that means, right? But King Ahaz, what did he do? He shut down temple worship. Second Chronicles chapter 27 or 28. He shut it down. In fact, this is why as we've studied the tabernacle, does it make even more sense to you how horrible and unholy it was for King Ahaz to go in and he sold some of the stuff out of the temple? He gave it away as gifts. He, he, he did things with the stuff that was inside, like the altar of incense that's covered in, in gold in the table that made of acacia wood but covered in gold. He took that stuff and he's, he's giving it away as gifts. He's, he's just completely desecrating the temple. And then his son, Hezekiah, comes in. What did Hezekiah do? In the first month of the first year of Hezekiah's reign, he opened the doors of the temple of the Lord, and he repaired them. And he got a hold of the priests and said, listen here, bub, all you priests, consecrate yourselves, because we're getting back to worship. We're getting back to prayer. Because the, 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 the word of God says that the, the incense before the Lord rising up, it ought to never stop. New Testament thought, our prayers and our worship ought to never stop. Like all day, everything we do ought to be done to give Him praise and to give Him glory. Everything you do, everything we do, it ought to be done to say, I'm doing this for the honor and the glory of Jesus. I'm taking the phone off the hook. I'm calling God and I'm going to say, I'm just going to put you on speakerphone. Okay. And I'm going throughout my day, just, oh yeah, God, I pray for that person. They're driving me nuts. Help me to have patience with them and help them not to drive me nuts. But God, just help me with that. Oh God, yeah, I was thinking about that. My kid, I pray that you'd move in my kid's life. Oh God, my future. I was just thinking about that. God, I, I pray that you'd move in my future. Oh God, as I'm driving along, I'm praying, I'm thinking, God, I just want to take time just to say, thank you. God, you're awesome. You, you take the phone off the hook day and night, day and night, the praise and that worship 
ought to arise. And when Hezekiah opened up the doors of the temple, do you remember what happened? It was an all-out move of God. It was an all-out revival. Church, God's speaking to us today. This isn't just about a tabernacle. It's about us getting back to where God wants us to be. Prayers, worshipers, day and night, letting that incense of our worship and our praise rise to meet him and then Jesus captures all that and brings it to the Father and he's glorified, he's magnified. How awesome is that? Get a thought of that today. Capture that thought today. Do you understand that today? Connect the dots today.